Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to the DC3 cast from multiversitycomics.com. Uh, I am not your regular host. This is Vince. <laughs> and with me are Brian and Zach. Did you guys hear that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm here to I'm here to kick the podcast up a little bit. There's gonna be lots of air horn tonight. Um, the listeners you... will be begging me to come back. Just minutes into this. <laughs> That's the plan. How are you guys doing? I'm okay. Zach? Yeah, I'm good. Same old, same old. All right. Well, we got a couple of uh, interesting things that we're gonna do this week before we get into the books because um, there's not really any like feature or marquee books from dc this week um you know nothing no event books nothing out of the ordinary no new books starting so uh we decided that we wanted to talk about the uh wildstorm uh essay i guess you would call it that warren ellis had in the back of all the dc books this week uh as an introduction to the uh wildstorm line that he's curating uh starting here in a couple weeks isn't it February 15th, yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe it. Um, so we're going to start with that, then we're going to... Well, let's save the other stuff for a surprise. We'll, uh... <laughs> hey, who's the host here? Hey, you, you don't, you don't, you don't want to fuck it up by giving it all away in the beginning. You got to keep them listening, man. This all happened because Brian... <laughs> I feel like this is an example of when when you, you give, you're given a little power in it. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Why did um, this all happen, Vince? This, Tell me. This all happened because uh, we identified Brian uh, off the air. We identified Brian as our fearless leader, and he objected to being compared to Cyclops from the X Men. I guess I don't know. None of us. None of us said Cyclops. That was all in his mind. So I don't know where he's getting that. What I meant was that I I, I tend to think of us as the Three Musketeers, all for <laughs> one, one for all. There's no leader. That is not a comic book reference, though, so... Okay, we're the Trinity, okay? I'm Wonder Woman. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't want to be Cyclops, so I said, you know what? Cyclops was right, and I will be right. I'll be Cyclops this week. Um, and so and so that's why that's why I'm leading this shindig this time around. Um, uh, so if, if, if a certain somebody could just let me host the show, that would be great. He means me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and no, I let's... give you permission. <laughs> oh, thank you, Zach. God, he's the MVP. Every. <laughs> um, we uh, so we want to talk about Warren Ellis's Wildstorm essay. Brian, you're going to read the whole thing for us. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, so, guys, uh, just to sort of just to sort of set it up. Warren Ellis basically explained to us uh, how Jim Lee approached him with the idea for a Wildstorm relaunch and then kind of where his mind went from there and uh, and how careful he he's being about going about this, not front-loading it too much. Uh, basically, the entire concept for for the, the what the major uh, sticking points of Wildstorm are going to be. Um the things that made Wildstorm great. I mean, it's almost Wildstorm Rebirth, wouldn't you say? It's it's yeah. The way that he described it is the way that uh, Didio and Lee were basically describing the DC characters before they did Rebirth, 
and um, and he even gets down into the into the like minutia of trade dress and things like that. Oh yeah, I, I, I found the, that the good very stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I found that very interesting for DC to be like, yeah, we'll publish this, <laughs> you yeah. know, because I, I don't know how many how many average readers really care about things like trade dress. Right, I mean, and specific that... concerns within trade dress, not just like <laughs> it's important to me that we have good trade dress. The last sentence of the whole thing is no broken out subheaders on the covers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which, um, which don't don't you think that that bodes well for the line in general? Like they're clearly letting Warren Ellis uh, do more or less what he wants to do. Yeah, right? I think so. So so let's get let's get into it a little bit deeper. Um, Zach, was there anything in specific that Ellis said that grabbed you aside from the whole trade dress thing? Um, gosh, the trade dress thing was like huge for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, I wish I wish I had it in front of me. I should have thought about that. But um, no, I really like it was just it just. Uh, how how methodically like he he has gone into all of this the fact that he it's he seems to it seems to have like okay so so looking at rebirth we like one of the things that we and, and i guess even more so the new 52 one of the things that we heard coming out of it was just how it was kind of you know thrown together at the last minute everyone was kind of like spinning plates and the whole thing had a, a very, you know, haphazard air about it. Whereas this, you know, from the beginning, we know it's it's a two-year plan, four series, staggered out. With one with of the, the series shifting midway shifting. through. So, so even, like, a, it, you know, into the third year, there's a plan. So, I mean, when is the last time we've had anything like that? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that's... That's if ever, it. like if ever, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, what? Like, I can't believe that this is being allowed to to go on. You know, <laughs> um, something that you said was, you know, how how slow and carefully they're taking it. I believe it's been like a Wildstorm relaunch has been rumored for at least two or three years now. Um, it's one of those things that I think. Uh, Rich over at Bleeding Cool has been sort of talking about for what seems like forever now. Like after the initial New 52 wave of Wildstorm inclusion kind of failed, he'd always hinted around that there's a Wildstorm relaunch coming. And just based on how carefully crafted this all seems, I wonder if it went through several iterations or whether... Warren Ellis was always the plan from the beginning and they were just waiting for him to get to a point where he felt like he could do it and then be comfortable talking about it, you know? Yeah. Does that, does that sound legit? I think so. Yeah. I'm trying to think I, I, I would bet actually that Warren Ellis wasn't always on board with this. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, that, I'm I'm sure this has always been Jim Lee's baby, and he's been trying to figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah, I'd be really curious to know what the timeline was. I mean, you figure they were folded into the DC universe in 2011. So, when you know, I would say by 2013, 
they probably realized that it wasn't going exactly as they wanted it to, the sort of integration of those characters into the DC Universe. So I would say from maybe 2013 on, I'm sure it was in the back of his head. But I think Rebirth, in some ways, gave DC its balls back. It let them try some things that maybe wouldn't have been so easily accepted a few years before because now they have the track record of Rebirth working. So even if it was being discussed maybe hypothetically before then, I think that having the the success of Rebirth to point to and say, look, we can do this for Wildstorm, you know, even if it's not going to look the same way, just sort of having the, the, the chutzpah to do it there, I think is, is a really important byproduct of Rebirth. Yeah. Ryan, um, was, was there anything else specifically that stood out to you for, from this? Uh, there were a couple of things. Um, first of all, I have to give everybody involved a ton of credit here. While Ellis is a big name, and while Wildstorm has a certain pedigree to it, you could see, like, you know, the person who picks up the average issue of Justice League not making heads or tails of what the fuck this means. <laughs> like, there's a lot of really dense conversation about... Not just the trade dress and stuff, like going into the organizations that will be a part of this. And, you know, it's Ellis just talks about this stuff very eloquently and he doesn't dumb it down. And I think that it's not going to be the sales monster that Rebirth has been. But I think this could be, I think it has the, the potential to be something very, very special in comics. And I am super excited to dig into it. Yeah, I, I think it has the potential to be one of those things that attracts other creators. Like, like, wow, I can't believe they're letting Warren Ellis do this. And yes, he's Warren Ellis, and I'm not. And so I'm probably not going to be given this same leeway. But it makes DC look like a place that you want to work if you want to work in... Uh, corporate comics. Corporate comics, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 think, I think Goodwill, more than anything... You know, and we, and we had a little bit of that with DCU, but uh, this is something else entirely. You know, I mean, this is <laughs> well between between this and Young Animal. I mean, yeah. DC has really established itself as a place where people can do corporate comics outside of the sort of normal parameters. You know, well, and, and let's be real too, like the Hanna Barbera stuff. Actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah we should yeah, talk about Snagglepuss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, Snagglepuss. Um, a Southern Gothic gay playwright uh, being brought up on charges by the House on american Committee. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the stuff dreams are made of right there. I mean, that sounds like Young Animal. It does. <laughs> it does. Palling around New York City with Huckleberry Hound. Yeah. A Walt Whitman-esque writer. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Zach. That is an excellent point. And, you know, we keep hearing that Milestone is coming back, too. And, it, it, yeah. if, you know, I, I don't know how they're going to handle that necessarily. But if you think about it, the Hanna-Barbera books, Milestone, Wildstorm, and Young Animal, that's a really diverse subset of comics while still publishing, you know, a ton of superhero comics every week. Yeah. DC is really making itself out and, and Vertigo. I mean not, you know, I know Vertigo doesn't have the cachet it once did, but you know, that's that's a lot of sort of boutique lines 
within this larger company. But I think that all of them appeal to different audiences. I think it's very smart. It's really weird to say that these things are almost making it cool uh, to like DC again. Like, I remember, uh, deservedly so, like, in the doldrums of the New 52, it was kind of like, it's, you know, someone asked you if you like DC Comics, and you were like, mm, yeah, I do, but I, I, but I know it sucks right now. Right, I mean, yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I like you the know? old stuff better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And... Uh, and yeah, now it's like almost cool again to to like what's. I mean, it doesn't help that Marvel is is really, uh, or it doesn't hurt that Marvel's really kind of tanking it in the from a from a PR standpoint lately. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, but but you know we've said before on this show that these things go in waves, and and it just so happens that DC is riding a really high wave right now. But doesn't it also seem? And maybe this is just my um, you know boundless optimism for DC Comics coming through here, doesn't it seem like they're setting themselves up to have less um, to have less fluctuation in those waves come to the future? Like, well, doesn't doesn't you, setting up these little camps make it harder to have everything fall apart the way it did with the New 52? Uh... Yes and no. I mean, if, if the if the Wildstorm... Uh, quote unquote mine only lasts two years. Then, I mean, it could it could all go away as quickly as it came, you know. Mm-hmm. But if it goes well, even if it goes away, what's to say something else equally interesting wouldn't pop up in its place? Oh no, totally. It's just that these corporations shoot themselves in the foot all the time, you know. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean. Yeah. It just seems to me like. There's more long-term planning happening at DC now than at any time I can remember as a fan, and I'm sure that I don't know everything that's going on. I'm not. I'm not claiming to know the inner workings there, but it just seems like you know, Rebirth is a two-year plan. They've said that from the very beginning. The Wildstorm is a two-year plan. Young Animal, after it was successful, they could have rolled out six more series, and and no one would have blinked an eye. But they're not. They're keeping things very small and consistent for right now. It just seems like even the Hanna Barbera things, they're ending all the titles after twelve and doing doing new books instead of keeping the old ones around. It just seems like they're they're doing something they're they're planning for the future in a way I haven't seen them do in a long time. And I'm very pleased by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Anything else before we move on guys? I'm gonna take that as a no. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't. I'm just like, I think I I, I said in a, in our our private chat that you know if this doesn't work out, I'm just gonna I'm giving up on corporate comics. I think <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna quit wholesale. You guys will have to find a third member for this podcast, and oh no, it's gonna be never. It's gonna be it. Never. Yeah, I'll, co- Zach- I'll still come on, but I won't have read anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Zach what, Zach, what did you think? Huh? I didn't read it. Yeah. I didn't every- read it. Every single time. I <laughs> Sounds Wilkerson, good. I Wilkerson the whole line. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. Um, we are going to do... This was a suggestion that came from one of our uh, faithful listeners. So so we are paying attention when you when you guys comment to us. Um, we One of our listeners wanted us to sort of do a little game considering... 
uh, one of these months we're probably going to have some additional waves of rebirth, I would think, right? I mean, sooner, I, I'm guessing the summer. Sooner, yes, sooner or later, there's going to be new rebirth titles. Like we can't, we can't. Legion is going to get its own title, and JSA has got to get its own title. You know, so it's going to happen sooner or later. Uh, so a listener wanted us to do a little exercise where, and we've done this from time to time, where we come up with our own fantasy books, but with a particular rebirth spin. So uh, we're going to do a little a little game with fabulous cash prizes, and uh, <laughs> and um, we're each going to name two properties or books or titles that we would introduce to rebirth with creative teams and a short little explanation of why it would fit rebirth specifically. So uh, are you guys ready? Sure. All right, Brian, you want to go first? Um, okay. So this first one is a bit of a calculated guess. Okay. Um, we have, <sighs> I take it back. I'm the leader. Okay. Uh, so, um, every month I do a column for Multiversity where I look at the DC solicits and a lot of times DC starts to publish collections for things that are going to be important coming up in the future. And specifically when they announce things like an omnibus, they solicit it months ahead of time. So the April solicitations had an omnibus solicitation for July in it. And that is the Adam Strange Silver Age omnibus. Now we know that Adam Strange is going to have something to do after this Death of Hawkman miniseries because writer Mark Andreco has said specifically there are plans for these characters after this miniseries. And we know that he is going to show up in one of the Hanna-Barbera crossover annuals with the with Johnny Quest um, next month, I believe. It's in March, right? That's March, isn't it? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, taken that it's going to be the Adam Strange is going to have something to do. I thought, I want to do an Adam Strange book. So I, I, I'm, I think this is the one that's going to piss Vince off because of the creative team. Because it's a creative team we've wanted on other books. But I think we're going to get Adam Strange by Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner. Uh, no, no, how can that piss me off? That's going to be great. Yeah, uh, Doc Shaner did the cover of the Johnny Quest uh, Adam Strange annual, and seeing his Adam Strange was just this wonderful, wonderful revelation. So uh, Adam Strange by Doc Shaner and... Uh, and Jeff Parker, and I think that the twist is going to be that it uh, he is still not necessarily um, reunited with Alana, his wife, yet in this, and so it's going to be a universal travel log of him traveling across the universe trying to get back to her. Um, lots of Zeta beams, lots of uh, you know alien planets, and the uh, the rebirth hook here is going to be that somewhere along the way. Alana comes into possession of a Legion ring. And so that will tie in the Legion of Superheroes to this uh, to this uh, property as well. Oh my. So I'm going Cosmic with my first pick. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a hell of a... I, I would, I'd read that team on anything. That would be great. Yeah. Although well, Future Quest has pushed my limit on that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, 
it's a good thing you'd read that team on anything because oh because we because we all shared a hive mind i also had a a parker shaner joint let's hear it from my first one Mine is um, a Booster Gold book, Ooh. and and the hook is going to be the re- the rebirth hook is that he still remembers everything because it's the you know the same booster that like we last saw in Convergence and everything. Yeah, um, but it's not going to like be in like the the present for now it's going to be kind of like you know time jumpy fun that those guys are really good at yeah i love it you know what i love most about it what you managed to wrestle booster gold away from jurgens i did that is true <laughs> that deserves a round of applause absolutely that, oh but he's people. actually he's actually the second artist though oh. <laughs> I'd be fine with Jurgens as a second artist. I, I actually like his art in like an old school way. Like it like Actually, you know what I would really do? I change my idea. <laughs> I want this to be this is just gonna be like a twelve issue series. It's not gonna be monthly or bi monthly. Actually maybe it could be. I don't know. But the I changed my premise. It's gonna have a different artist based on the time that it's in. So Jurgens okay. takes the '90s stuff. Yeah, or, or or if it's like highlighting like a certain era or team, and there's like a look that's more distinctive for that. That's they will get someone who kind of matches that. I love it. That's fun. What I was gonna say is, you should have Jurgens do Booster's internal monologue. Oh, like cool. when he's thinking about things, Jurgens illustrates those parts of it. Yes. All right, Vince, come on. All right. So... Put it on the table, Ben. Come on. <laughs> this this one might sound like a cheat, okay? Um, I, I, I'm going to be introducing a book called 52 Rebirth. And it's going to take place right after all this Watchmen nonsense. And how I don't know, you know, we don't know anything about how the Watchmen thing is going to go. But somehow, coming out of Watchmen versus Justice League or whatever the hell it is, um, the Justice League proper is missing. Okay, so this is a 52-week rebirth series, and it's going to be written by Marguerite Bennett, Paul Cornell, Grant Morrison. <laughs> And Brian's buddy James Robinson is coming back. They somehow got him back, just like they got Warren Ellis back. You know, now we just got to get Mark Wade at some point. Um, So specifically what it's going to be is after the Watchmen thing happens, Grant Morrison is going to kind of be our tether to the multiversity again. And somehow the multiversity the multiverse is going to be involved in finding the justice league and getting them back. It's going to have kind of like 52. It's going to have different segments that sort of intersect at different points, but Marguerite Bennett is going to have the bombshell characters as like a separate earth in the multiverse. 
Paul Cornell is going to write a Justice League International that takes place on the prime Earth, but it's going to be composed of people like um, Knight and Squire, you know, or I guess just Squire if Knight is still dead, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Batman Japan, maybe. Uh, you know, who knows? But it's going to be Justice League International. Meets Batman Incorporated? Sure, yep. Cool. Uh, Keenan Kong could be a part of it, you know. Um, and then James Robinson is going to write the JSA, because of course he is, right? Mm -hmm. And then on art, we're going to have a rotating team of Marguerite Savage, Pete Woods, Butch Geis, and Yannick Paquette. Man, that's too good. I want just that. I just want the Justice League International part of that. Yeah. Like, if I could just get that part, that would I'll be I'll take awesome. any of those four parts, actually. Yeah, really. I mean, like I said, it's kind of... I guess of we're getting bombshells already. We're getting bombshells, but, like, it's going to get folded into the... Like, I, I feel like those characters are so good and unique now that it should be its own Earth in the multiversity, like... Yeah, yeah. You know... So, so that's that's my first uh, book, and it's it's throwing everything at the wall. That's good. And I tried to stick with artists that have worked with the 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 writers that we're talking about. Too. Right, right. Brian, your second one. Okay, so my second one needs uh, needs a bit of, a, of an opening spiel here. Okay, so let me ask you guys: aside from Kryptonite, what is Superman's? Uh, one sort of noticeable, glaring um, weakness. Magic. Magic. His, his humanity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's his greatest asset, you asshole. Um, just kidding. Uh, so, uh, yeah, magic. So there's gonna there has to be a Superman event, like one of these four-week consolidated events where Superman is is practically brought down by magic, okay? At the end of this, he realizes that while the Earth has a Justice League and has Teen Titans and all of this, there is no group specifically watching out for the, the magic, watching the magical realm to stop invasions and other problems from Earth. So he goes to Zatanna, and he says to her, listen, you know, I'm back in my reality, you were one of the greatest magicians, and you were a great... Just like remember, we, we fought alongside each other many times, but I need you to lead a new sort of team to help defend the Earth against its magic, um, you know, uh, against magic threats. And so my book, which is going to be written and illustrated by Joel Jones, is called Zatanna and the Shadow Pact. Uh, supporting cast, Blue Devil, Detective Chimp, Enchantress, Ragman, and Zoriel. That is the Shadow Pact in this uh, in this world. Um, I have a reason for each of those. Uh, Zoriel was, was briefly a member of the Shadow Pact, and uh, that's bringing some of Grant Morrison's JLA into it. Ragman is currently on Arrow, so that's some corporate synergy going on there. Uh, Enchantress was a classic member of the team, but has been part of the Suicide Squad recently. But as we've seen, the Suicide Squad is sort of, you know, edging closer to heroism now and then, so that would be a way to get her out of the Suicide Squad. And uh, Blue Devil, actually, if you guys recall, had a just a, had a DC Universe Presents uh, arc with um, with Black Lightning in the early days of the New 52. We haven't seen him since. 
And Detective Chimp just showed up for the first time in that DC Comics holiday special. And so, um, yeah, that's that's my team. And they are the front line against, um, against magic in the DC Universe. We, we, we teased Shadow Pact uh, last week, I believe. <laughs> or it, may, it might have been two weeks ago, but yeah, we have. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that would be a very, very cool team. And a fun book. Definitely. And Joelle Jones, man, come on. Oh, I, and, oh God, yeah. She's DC exclusive, and all she's done is the Supergirl being super so far. So right. something's coming from her. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. She's one of my faves. Zach? Okay. My next book is okay it could be a rebirth book but i would almost kind of rather it be a young animal book if that's okay breaking the rules breaking the if rules it's okay well, it could be it could no, be a that's rebirth fine book. sure okay. sure my book is it's ideally written by grant morrison illustrated by keith giffen and it is Superboy Prime and his friend Dan DiDio. <laughs> or his pal, his pal Dan DiDio. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wow. And I think the title speaks for itself as to what the book would be about. I don't even want to read my last one. Wow. MVP. Yeah, MVP, seriously. (laughs) Good God. That's the book I want. And I want it to launch... The reason I want it to be a young animal book is because I kind of want it to launch this new, weird kind of take on, like, the fourth world stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd like to get, like, at least one other book out of it. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. So I guess I should, for anybody who's like not familiar with like Superboy Prime, um, he is like a very, like under Jeff Johns. So he, he was like used a lot or he like was a pre Crisis on Infinite Earths character, played a big part in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then in Infinite Crisis, he became kind of like a villain who was like, very very meta constantly broke the fourth wall did a lot of weird things and then under jeff johns continued to do those kinds of things and then when we we kind of left off he was trapped in the real world and but knew that he had been in a comic book world and there was actually a a blackest night tie-in issue where he went to the dc offices and interacted with certain individuals including Dan DiDio so this book would basically just be more of that all the time I love this I yeah. love this I'm going to be so mad that this is a never that it'll never happen <laughs> Zach what if and... you get a what if you get a phone call after this episode <laughs> airs and like <laughs> we'd like to hire who you. told you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
I would love it. It'd be oh, great. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I'm ready man. for my close-up, Mr. Wilkerson. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, but yeah, I actually like. I'm really. I'm pretty like fluid on the on the rider. I said Grant Morrison just because he has done that kind of thing before. It it really just needs to be somebody with that like kind of sensibility. And I said Giffen drawing it because I really do kind of want it to pay homage to like the Kirby style. It's you know the title is like obviously a reference to Superman and his and his pal Jimmy Olsen, yeah. which kind of like kicked off the fourth world stuff back in the seventies. So I want it to like be like you know kind of like adherent to that to that model but just with all of the the trappings implied by the title god you were really sandbagging it zach before the show you were like i'm not excited about either of these picks well i actually that one i i came up with while we were talking at the beginning it just <laughs> inspiration struck well if you can pull that out of your butt in the yeah last seriously minute, you know <laughs> to hire you <laughs> All right, let's just quickly get through my last one because it'll never be as good as that. I want to do Dial H for Hero Rebirth. and uh, No one is surprised. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No one. (laughs) And the Rebirth... (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) The Rebirth tie-in is that uh, when Max Lord was... um, was getting that weapon, getting the, 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 the Eclipso Diamond out, he also pocketed an H, like an ancient H-dial that he came across, and we just never saw it. And it ended up in the hands of Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad. And don't worry, I'm going to get away from the Suicide Squad as soon as possible. Um, she gives it to a recruit with the idea that he would be an ultimate member of the suicide squad by being able to become whatever hero using this dial, but still be under her control. Somehow in the book, he escapes with the dial and is on the run essentially. And then we don't have to deal with the suicide squad anymore, but he's got the H dial and, uh, and what follows are his many adventures written by Christopher priest and illustrated by Ben Oliver. Well, you, you got me with a creative team. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just think, like, like if you think about what Christopher Priest is doing on Deathstroke right now, he's writing a Deathstroke book, but he is including so much um, wonderful extraneous material that that he's folding into Deathstroke's story quite well, but that actually has nothing to do with Deathstroke, you know? Like pulling Batman in, pulling Superman in. He clearly has ideas. Creeper. Creeper. He's got ideas for the extended DCU. So if he was given an, uh, an opportunity to write a Dial H book where that hero, you know, he can explore a different corner of the DCU in every issue by having that hero be, you know, whatever, every time he changes, he could... I mean, I, I feel like he could just have an endless opportunity to tell all these little stories he wants, uh, whether it's on an issue-by-issue issue basis or, you know, whatever he wants to do. Just 
give Christopher Priest another damn book, I say. Yeah. I'm but actually I'm shocked he doesn't have a third book right now. Yeah. Well. Wait, a third book? I mean, a, se- a second book right now. Yeah. Although somebody told me that DC is counting the double shipping books as if somebody has two books. Oh, yeah. So well, like, that makes sense. You know, so like they're not putting somebody on three titles. They're not putting somebody on a weekly, uh, sorry, bi-weekly, and then two monthlies, because that would be like four titles right now. Sure. Okay, well, um... All right, well, that was a fun game, right? I think Zach wins. Zach, you win the fabulous cash prize. Yeah. Um, little checks in the mail already. <laughs> already. Um, yeah. Yep. 21st century. Damn right. I'm Venmoing you right now. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's let's move on to... We've already spent like a half an hour here. <laughs> let's... Uh, going to be less than an hour, guys. I promise. <laughs> the Vince promise. Uh, hey, not... We'll we'll see. It's my first time. Um, we should just go through good, bad, good, bad. Didn't read. Good. Bad. <laughs> There's one or two books we might do that on. Um, all right. Quickly, we're gonna go alphabetically through the books of the week and hit some of the highlights here and definitely the lowlights. Um, starting with Aquaman number sixteen, written by Dan Abnett and uh, illustrated by Brad Walker. I should say before we go ahead. We say this every week, but we are going to spoil these books. So if you haven't read them, what are you doing? Just go read them or don't and let us spoil them for <laughs> you. But but here we go. Okay, Aquaman. So this week, um, it's kind of the after – it's a very much an aftermath of the deluge uh, type of issue. Uh, what did you guys think? Zach? Oh, I thought it was really good. This book is – oh, this book's – Kind of like one of my Dark Horse favorites, I think. I think, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I don't really know, like, think about how much I like it until I read it, and then I say, like, oh, yeah, that that is actually very good. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything flashy. It just comes in and tells a really good story very competently every two weeks. Mm-hmm. It gives you a reason to like Arthur. Yeah, and that yeah. shouldn't be something we have to say about an Aquaman book, but that rarely happens. So it's been great. I, I thought this issue was really good. I really enjoyed the conversation he had with his childhood friend about how how she she essentially said like you know she always saw him as her friend Arthur, but now she's seeing him for sort of how powerful and how strong he is, and she was kind of sad about it. But it was a I thought it was a really well done sequence. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um... So that's his like human friend Erica from from childhood apparently or from school at least, and um, yeah, that was a really layered conversation. You know, she she clearly still feels very fond of him, but then she's also scared of him at the same time. You know, it's um, and then at the end, there's like a little lingering look that she gives him that that makes you wonder where they're gonna take that if if anywhere at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I if I'm gonna like play devil's advocate a little bit i thought that was that whole thing was maybe a little derivative of like the clark and lana stuff that we've seen Mm. recently which is not necessarily a bad thing it still works it doesn't it doesn't negate you know kind of like you said the 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 power and value of the scene but if you are familiar with that relationship it's kind of hard to 
Or at least it was hard for me not to see that. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, it was good to see Brad Walker on interiors. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, uh, we, we got the um, Aquaman with the twinkle in his eye again. Um, and that, that I feel like he draws Aquaman's uh, costume kind of more chainmaily, or the, there's more the, the scales are more pronounced. Uh, I really enjoy that look. Yeah, for sure. He's great with his like expression work and and uh, and yeah, lot, lots of detail that uh, that that other artists don't. Uh, you know, he's very unique in that in that way. He he always finds like a unique angle to somebody's costume or somebody's facial features, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. So we're all still pulling it. It's a, it's a great book. Uh, I think I think everyone should give Aquaman a chance. Um, yeah. Uh, we need to look eventually and see how it's selling. I have no idea how it's selling compared to prior Aquaman volumes. Yeah, I have case. to. Yeah, there you go, Zach. I, I have to say I don't pay attention very much to uh, sales numbers, but but maybe I should start. Well, I, the good news is it hasn't gone monthly yet. Like Cyborg has already gone monthly because its sales weren't very good, mm-hmm. so it hasn't done that. So that means it's 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 doing okay, I'd presume. Okay. Well, while Zach looks that up, should we move on to Batman? <laughs> Oh, I got some stuff to say about Batman. I have some stuff to say too. I, uh, Zach, do you, do you have that uh, that that data for us? I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, let's, right. Just, let's just wait a second here. All right, we'll wait a we'll wait a second. I'll, let me yeah, do my so Batman it, intro. Um, oh, go ahead. <laughs> the so the last month that we have data for was December. Aquaman ranked 76th and 79th for issues 12 and 13 hovering at around 35,000. It's not great. I mean, that's not great, but I that's that's survivable I think, right? Yeah, I mean I don't know if it's survivable twice monthly. I mean if you think oh that's like a 70,000 like if you counted it as like one issue. But the printing bad. costs are twice as much. That's true, they are. Can you see like look up the Deathstroke, so like, for instance. See where Deathstroke is in oh, comparison it's to be that. Way down, down at the bottom for sure. Uh, well, actually, no, not much farther. It's eighty six at thirty two thousand. Okay. Um, here, let me. So for context, let's see what the like the. Um. So, I'm trying to find so so. Justice League, is not like, it's it's kind of like the next thing under Batman. Batman is still Batman is the only book that's still above a hundred thousand. Um. Well, yeah, yeah. Poor Saps. Justice League. Justice League is issues ten and eleven, which I guess it may be worth noting that these are Justice League Suicide Squad tie-ins. I don't know if that really that that may might have had an effect. I would need to check November's numbers too, but um. Issues 10 and 11 were number 14 and 15 on the chart, low 70,000s. Next up is Detective, which is hovering in the mid-60s. Flash is mid-60s. Superman is 60. Suicide Squad is 60. Nightwing is 50 with Harley Quinn. Yeah, so... um, 
I guess I would probably put like Aquaman squarely in like the mid tier. Okay. Okay. Um, because it looks like the lower tier stuff, Cyborg, some of the Young Animal books, that kind of those things are in like the twenties. Um, mini series come in around like the low tens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's changed in, in recent uh, years, but they always used to say that about 20,000 was like the benchmark for cancellation. Yeah. So, so if it's in the 30s, I like I feel pretty comfortable. I wish more people were reading it, but uh, yeah, it looks like the lowest selling book that you know kind of is on our radar in terms of like rebirth stuff is uh, Midnight Apollo. Wah, 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 Ten thousand. Uh, but that's uh, also that's a mini series. Yeah, that, that will sell better in collection. Yeah. So if we wanted, if you wanted the the lowest selling book, like ongoing, it is well Earth to Society, but that's not a rebirth thing. Um, uh, cyborg, I think. Okay, that sells worse than like Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Um, yes, Batgirl and Birds of Prey is hovering in the high twenties, twenty eight thousand. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for looking that up, Zach. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Welcome to Bat Burger, home of the Bat Burger. Can I take your order? <laughs> uh, well played, sir. Would you like to jokerize your fries? I think this might have been my the the Tom King Batman issue that I disliked the least. I can agree with that. And yet. So that, was, that, that was a reference. Yet. Oh, I get it. Yeah. That was a reference to the rooftop. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. No, like I thought he. I mean, I was actually like, kind of surprised. The scene in the in the burger place was. I thought he actually like did a pretty good job with, all the bat family. Like it was a little bantery. I I think he did a good job, except with Bruce. Like. Well, Bruce, Bruce still well, seems like a pure. Ass. Isn't that the refrain of this entire? Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll also say that I think that they could have given the Jason information to us in a much better way than been like, I know with the crowbar and all, but come on, guys, Joker, like you know, they're, they're, it's just showing him order it, Joker eyes, and having everybody shoot him a look does the exact same thing and makes it less dumb. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. That part was overwritten. So much of the of Tom King's run has been overwritten in that sort of fashion. Um well, I don't I don't know that like nothing not to knock uh David Finch in particular, but I don't know like if he could necessarily like express that kind of um <laughs> intention yeah. just visually. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. That is certainly fair. It was cool seeing all the Robins hang out. Except it was. For, except for uh, Tim. Pour, pouring one out for Tim. Yeah. Pouring one out for Tim. Yeah. I mean, he he had to, quote unquote, die or they wouldn't have been able to sit in that booth. Yeah. There wasn't enough room. <laughs> Bruce That's already right. had to blow over a chair. Yeah. They would have... They would have Damien in a one of those high chairs that you pull up to the edge of the table. Yeah. yeah. 
Did uh did anybody else think that this David Finch art looked kind of Capullo esque? Am I the only one that got that? I, I think it wasn't it wasn't not Capullo. <laughs> I, knew, I knew he was gonna say that. <laughs> no, I, I I I do see what you mean. It wasn't that it was um I could well, I could see that. He got a chance to show everybody kind of like smiling and being playful rather than like what we've been used to from from David Finch when he's drawing Batman so far is just everybody screaming so that their like uh skull is going to fall out their head. <laughs> and like yeah. It, well, I like, yeah. I I was That's, just going to say that like all of his characters look Really, like, he, you know, David Finch has, like, a distinctive face that he draws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like the only person in this book who really has that distinctive face is, is Bruce. Mm. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe the cop at the beginning of the issue. The, the dirty <laughs> cop. Yeah. Or security guard, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. He kind of has that, that face, too. So uh, what what'd you guys think of the ending? Uh, oh, all the robins hanging in the bat cave. That's... Could I care less? <laughs> it's gonna no, be. A, I couldn't. It's, it's gonna be a prank, right? Like at the, in the start of the next issue, Jason's gonna hop down and he's gonna be like, yeah. "Ah, we got him!" Yeah. Oh, I would actually. It's a prank that. show. That's what it was. It's, it's like how you tell it's a prank show. A prank show. That's a too much tuna reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah it's um i mean if there was even a five percent chance of that being a thing cool but it's not no well i'm not saying i mean i'm not saying that there's no pretense that they're all dead you know i mean even if it was really them if if there was and, and they're just they're just they're captured it's not it's just <laughs> ugh, i hate endings like that i think it i think it is a prank show We'll see. I hope so. Um, All right. I, uh, I I do want to say that if I were Jim Gordon, I'd be on my last nerve with Batman. <laughs> you could have stopped it. I could have. Like <laughs> it's the way a petulant teenager answers their parents. Could you be any slower? I don't know. Could I? You know, like come on. What do you keep skipping? knows how they really feel about his cucumber sandwiches that's true <laughs> i i do i do have to say bruce eating a hamburger with a knife and fork is pretty perfect yeah yeah that's 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 seinfeldian right there yeah <laughs> batman burger batman burger christ uh what if batman was seinfeld Oh, imagine what, what if, if Batman had Batcave? I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, Crane is the Joker. Oh no, we're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Selena is obviously Elaine. Yep. Yeah. Um, Gordon okay, well, is Gordon is George. <laughs> Gordon is who? George. Oh, George. Yeah. Well, so is Bruce Jerry? Yeah, of course, Bruce is Jerry. Be... Okay, so that works really well. I can just imagine <laughs> Bruce and, and Gordon. Oh, that's actually very nice. 
<laughs> Who's Steinbrenner? <laughs> uh, whoever's the mayor of Gotham at this moment. Yeah, okay. All right, let's move on. Um, I got to admit something, guys. Um, Did you, read Did you Wilkerson something? This is the first book in Rebirth. That I did not only not read, but I didn't even look at the interiors for. I, I can sum it up for you. It's <laughs> shit. <laughs> Moving on. All right. I like no, it. No, no, it's a. Uh, it, it's. Let's, let's go. It's like an entire issue of that not cyborg, cyborg, just explaining things. Oh, great. Okay. But going through like the entire history of Vic Stone's uh, father. And his scientific maladies, and it ends with. I, remember, there was that like that hood kid that he I picked up. I stopped listening to that sentence halfway through. <laughs> well, remember that there, there was that that like that hacker kid or whatever that he picked up and was running with a few weeks ago. Yeah. Okay, well, Vince remembers it. Um, at one point, he literally tells him to jump on his back and play him like a video game. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's a real thing that happens in the book. And, uh, yeah, that's some, that's... some people say that when they lure kids into their <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Uh... It, it reminded me of the live-action, ambiguously gay duo sketch from a couple years ago, where he says, quick, Gary, come on my back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not good. Not All good. right. Okay, well, um, yeah. I, I, so this is a milestone, then, because I think I'm done with Cyborg. Period. I think I won't. I will. Look. I will do my. I will do the Vince Harley Quinn job on it. I, do, really? My love for New Teen Titans will carry me through. Okay, because otherwise we could be like David Letterman and just flip that card through the window behind us and <laughs> and, and not. No, there has to be one listener out there who cares about what we think about Cyborg. So. Okay. All right. I'll write into. If the you show. are that one listener, please <laughs> write in. Yeah. <laughs> or tweet uh, at. Brian needs a nap. Yeah. <laughs> and only Brian needs a nap. That's a theme. Going, Moving on. <laughs> uh, De- Death of Hawkman, number five, written by Mark Andreco, art by Aaron Lepresti and uh, Rodney, not Steve's cousin, Buscemi. <laughs> um, so you had some Green Lantern stuff. I was just going to say, I hooted and hollered. <laughs> this book has been pretty, like, low-key I, I think the thing that i keep saying about it every time we review it is that it's funny but there's not much more to it than that i hooted and hollered when hawkman's buddy <laughs> rain crawl i believe is his yep, name yep turned into a green lantern <laughs> now that's that's isamat's lantern ring too right i believe so which I'm not okay with. No, I'm not okay either because that he's I uh, have always liked him. Yeah, me too. And also, like I guess it's he like dies off panel. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, that means uh, he's not really dead, guys. It's uh, it's it, uh, it can't be. <laughs> I really I feel, like him. Yeah, I, I, things I, are forever in comics. You know that, Brian. <laughs> I was gonna say I I feel like Lantern. It used to be that Lantern rings only left when somebody died. But I feel like the last five years, lantern rings are just kind of going on trips all the time. Also, it's like my wife. You can't see, but I'm pushing my, my glasses farther up the bridge of my nose <laughs> so that I can point out that there's a typo on page eight of the, the comicsology version 
um, that incorrectly names Isamot's partner Varth Sarn. His name is Vath Sarn. <laughs> <laughs> well Give done. Give respect yeah. where respect is due, guys. That's right. Game recognized game. Exactly. Though I do respect that they are still. Well, actually, it's kind of hard to tell here, but it looks like they're still drawing him with his his reptile legs that he's yeah. had for a while. And that's dedication. I just, I am like, every every time that character shows up, I'm just like waiting for them to draw him <laughs> with normal legs and I can just get them. <laughs> or, or at least like long pants that don't, that don't differentiate different species yeah. legs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Zach is the art error enjoyer. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, so the, this series continues to be okay. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm. I want to like this so much. You want to, and you're just not quite there. I'm just not there. Have you given it a fair shake? To be, to be honest here. I mean, probably I... not. <laughs> Let's be real. But I mean. Where does the fault fall in this <laughs> transaction of goods and services? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Aside from the aside from the very real uh, humor that's injected into the book, part a good deal of my enjoyment is just seeing Hawkman and um, Adam Strange being used again, and having them pal around in this fashion is like a, a really nice way to use them. You put Hawkman on his own, and he just kind of. No, no writer has really been able to get him lately, and I think this is this is the best we've gotten from Hawkman in a while, and it's because he's sharing the spotlight. And, and as you said, I feel like the uh, one of the the faults of of Hawkman's writing for the last oh forever has been making him just this super serious just bore. So having the book be funny, having some humor there really goes a long way within the, with the Hawkman character. For sure. Yeah. I really, really, really just want, like, a good cosmic, like, ongoing cosmic DC book that's not, like, Green Lantern-centric. Like, you can have Green Lanterns in it like this that just I, I, I can kind of, like, stand on its own kind of like this is doing... I want this book, but different. So back in the the hour cosmic days, I pitched a Justice League cosmic book, mm-hmm. and it would have been Adam Strange, Hawkman, and Supergirl as the sort of trinity, yeah, of it. And uh, you could have a Green Lantern in there. You could have um, some other, you know, alien species. species. Lobo would be a perfect uh, part of that team, you know. So I'd I almost agree. rather it not be a team book, though, because we've had, you know, we've had that a few times. I think back to like Lemire's Justice League United and some other, but I love that stuff. And like Team Cosmic books, I don't know. Like none of it's just really resonated. I want something like, I want something like the mid two thousands Marvel comics Cosmic stuff only at DC. But that was team based. That was that well, was. It was like I guess it was it, more grouped. It wasn't really a team. It was. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I just don't want it to be called Justice League something. I'm, my feeling is that that's just the way team books are going to be called now. I know, but I don't. We got enough. 
I'm a hard to please customer. <laughs> that's okay. You. That's what we like about you. You're the. You're the mercenary here. Which actually it doesn't match me in real life at all. Anytime I order anything, and <laughs> if I order anything specific, I take whatever is given to me. You just kind of give a little. Oh man, to yeah. yourself. And then... Yeah. Thanks anyway. You tried hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, next book, Fallen Rise of Captain Adam, number two, written by Carrie Bates and Greg Weissman, art by Will Conrad. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, so, uh, Brian. I think you wanna say something about this book, a, a little joke or something. I, I have, I have two today. things to say about this book, but go, okay. go ahead first. So I, what I wanted to point out is that I think this is our first official, and you might you might have picked up on this. I think this is our first official uh, nod to the DC three in a DC comic. No, where is it? Tell me. But, well, the character the character's uh, name is, or he, he says his name is Vince. Nathan- Nathaniel Adam in uh-huh. the past says his name is Vince, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a shout out to me. <laughs> no, I. I do. I have evidence for it too. Okay? I go for it. I, these are some specific lines from the book. Okay. Did 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 he weasel control of something from a friend of his recently? <laughs> oh fuck you. Okay. Um, uh, no. Right. Here, okay. I've got three lines here. Okay. First, My wife. Very close. First one. Please call me Vince. He says. Okay. Right? I I say that all the time. <laughs> Okay, and then second one, you've reached Vince. Leave a message. This is his answering machine. Is that your? That's that is my answering machine. Okay. I, they must have called because that's exactly. You've reached Vince. Leave a message. That's exactly it. And then the last one is probably my most famous catchphrase. Okay. And but it and it's in this book, so I think they. I think it's a shout out to me. Did I do that? Well, I was gonna, I was going to mention that one. A little bit. That is. That's the line in the. He says that, and yeah. I say that all the time. I I snap my suspenders. Usually, some. Usually, um, my father figure is upset with me over something I did, and I say, "Did I do that?" Okay, so Vince, do not answer your phone. <laughs> We're calling to hear your outgoing message. To hear if it is if it is what you say it is. It's not. That was a joke. <laughs> no. Salvatore. I don't want to talk Believe to it that. or not, Vince is <laughs> 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 uh, It's a side film. Decline the call. I don't know how. Technology's. I'm just a caveman, Brian. <laughs> Hold on. We're so hey, far down in the weeds today. Sorry, I couldn't pick up the phone, but if you leave me a message, I'll call you back as soon as I can. Thanks. It was nice of you to record that in the wind tunnel. It was that was a good move. Well, it seems they took some artistic liberties. Well, but... what I what, what I think see, I, I think Vince is half right here. I think this is a reference to the DC three, but I think it's a reference to my middle name being Vincent. So I think that you know that's clearly what's going on here. Oh sure. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I think this is a reference to the fact that in 1997, I 
was I've got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, my two. Call me Gary. Yeah. What was that? And I said, please call me Gary. Yeah. Um. My uh. My two things. My first one was going to be that I love when there's an. It happens like once a year where a comic unintentionally references Urkel by saying, <laughs> "Did I do that?" So that's that's a favorite of mine. I, I was actually thinking I should start a Tumblr of just like collections of the, that happening in comics. So makes me laugh every time. But also, in the beginning of the issue, and I'm going to pull it up right now so we can uh, get the exact quote here. Um, uh, Nathaniel Adam is going through all the things that haven't happened or whatever. You know, this is a, no one here will believe the housing market bubble will collapse one day and set off a great recession. BP oil spill is still years away. Ditto Hurricane Katrina. No 9-11. No Al-Qaeda. U.S. is enough boots on the ground in Iraq or Afghanistan. So we're getting to the real stuff here, okay, guys? Um, Pluto is still considered a planet. Proof of water on Mars hasn't been found yet. Scientists are still trying to map the human genome. The largest Hadron Collider, the large Hadron Collider has been built. There are no smartphones, no text messages, no Skype, no Facebook, no YouTube, no Twitter, no Yelp. The most important invention of the last 25 years, Yelp. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Where can I find a sub shop before? <laughs> yeah. As much as I liked the first issue, I thought this issue was a fucking snooze. I mean, they got their medical terminology like pretty spot on like they said po antibiotics which is like not something that i feel like a layman would they they kind of dug deep and then a lot of the like is is it hard to hear us from up on your throne there uh, <laughs> dr medicine <laughs> that is what i ask people to call me thank you i'm gonna call you big pharma yeah, well, that was your nickname last week. That's I true. Like it when you call me Big Farm. So <laughs> <laughs> your scripts in the A. Uh... <laughs> if you're um, I really kept waiting for this to like. I thought they were gonna try and make like an Armageddon 2001 thing. Ooh. They were like leading up to 2000s, and that's like a Captain Adam thing, right? And I don't know. I don't know what this series is doing. I don't know like what the what's the what's the purpose here? We saw a silhouette of him and his lady having sex. It did happen. Yep. Yeah. It was a very uh very risque. I <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but They waited until they got married. It's okay. I, no. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I see a nipple. Ooh, hang on. That, no, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a, that's a sign. <laughs> I know it is. I know. <laughs> um, no, I don't think there's a nipple, but but it comes awfully close. Like, like uh, you know, you you, re- you remove some of the shadow and and yeah. Imagine yeah. if the DC three were Seinfeld. Captain Adam is Bob Sacamano. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, this this book's okay, but but this is one of those issues where like 
they fell more in love with the concept of how they were going to deal with him living in the past, being from the future, than they did in uh, giving any forward momentum to the story itself, I think. So so I didn't think it was all that interesting either. Right. They, um, they have to establish the idea that he had a life in the past, that he yeah. didn't just like flash back to the 90s, yeah. that he lived there for a while. And I, I understand that, but I think that could have been done in a page or two as opposed to an entire issue. Yeah, I think so too. There wasn't there wasn't enough that was like emotionally effective to make it worth all the time we spent. Agreed. But then he becomes the Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah. Silver Surfer! Silver Surfer in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, weird is hitting oh. all of our touchstones tonight, guys. Keep it loopy. Keep it loopy, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, moving on. Green Arrow, number 16, written by Ben Percy, art by Otto Schmidt this time, which was a surprise because... The cover says Juan Ferreira. The cover says Juan Ferreira, which, when you're double shipping, I find it really hard to believe that they can't get the names on the cover right. <laughs> like, does anybody else think that that's really weird? <laughs> it's the year 2017, folks. Yeah, I... He doesn't read these. <laughs> yeah, that's... You're right, you're right. They've got Superboy Prime chained up in a basement somewhere, and he <laughs> gives the okay on everything. Yep, and he just can't. He's chained up, so he can't punch that wall. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, did anyone find it interesting? So this kind of, uh, this is kind of Oliver coming to terms with who he is and who his family is. Did anyone think it was odd that that fat involuntary celibate guy? Uh, that refused to help him earlier in the series as part of his family, quote unquote. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, the no. At the, so his at the tech end, guy. Yeah, his tech oh. guy. And he's like, "This is my family," and they're all sitting around a table eating. <laughs> his fat involuntary celibate. <laughs> <laughs> in incel for short. Um, but but. I thought it was weird because, like, earlier in the series, he makes it clear that, like, I'm not helping you unless you pay me. And then we never heard from him again. He's been around. He's, he's, he's been on the fringes. Has he? Yeah, he has been. Okay. Maybe 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 I'm combining his appearances into some – I don't know. He hasn't played as much of a role. No, he's done he nothing. He's, he's yeah, done he, has, nothing. he hasn't played enough of a role for me to think, like, yep, he's part of Oliver's family <laughs> for sure. Well, he definitely so. – they've shown him, like, living in the woods with him. Ah, uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. He's essentially like Winston Zeddemore of this group. Where he's like, <laughs> if you pay me, I'll do whatever you want. You know, so yeah, yeah. I guess I guess he's been there all along, but he just they haven't given him anything to do, or even really any lines. Like I don't remember him. Uh, yeah, I, I've got a I've got a hot take on this one. Okay, so do so, I. So I, I want to hear what yours is first. Okay, well, so there's like half a comic here, and then it's like. Percy remember that he had to like he, he or just realized that he didn't have enough content to fill up the rest of the book so there's just a bunch of non sequiturs <laughs> <laughs> so like we go we end the main story and then we're in the forest and then we're talking to the mayor and then we're having a family get together and then we're at the policeman's house and it like 
it just like none of it is like bad writing or anything it just like doesn't flow at all and see i actually found this maybe the best issue of the series so far I, I felt like this issue gave um, it, it gave sort of the, the 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 team arrow feeling that everybody's been wanting from this book for the first time everybody actually worked together there was no infighting and bickering and it set the series up to go someplace interesting in the future now that said if you didn't think that cop was going to die, then you've never read a comic before. <laughs> right. Uh, it was essentially uh, that scene from the first McBain movie in The Simpsons <laughs> where his partner shows the boat he just bought <laughs> for his retirement. Like, you know you know he's going to get shot. You know it's going to end very quickly. <laughs> Vince, I'm glad you liked my McBain joke. I love Simpsons references on this show. Mendoza! <laughs> Simpsons, uh, Simpsons, Seinfeld, oh, this is right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, I think that, I'm also glad that the show, that the, the show, excuse me, that the book is not shying away from Oliver's um, past as a sort of lefty social justice warrior, but they're not making it as obnoxious as, like, the solicits for the book made it seem like it was going to be. Yeah. No, I agree with you that this this actually probably is maybe the best issue of the series. Um, just in in it is like the team dynamic thing. You're totally right. Like it feels good. Yeah, yeah. I certainly like this book um, for sure. I it's it's always a joy to read. Um, any other thoughts? No, I'm good. No. All right. Green Lanterns, number 16, written by Sam Humphreys, art by Neil Edwards. Can I just say what the best part of this issue is, hands down? Bad Batman? No, uh, the James Harron cover. Oh, yes. Oh, the great James Harron. Yeah, I would love to see James Harron do a Green Lantern comic. Yeah, that would be insane. That would be like, you know how um, Sean Murphy is doing a Batman book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great if uh, if James Heron was given like a little prestige comic that he could do with any DC character. Shadow maybe, pack, maybe except yeah, <laughs> oh boy, maybe except for Batman. Like enough Batman already. I'd love to see him do Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, this issue though. So this is uh, this our is guns the- good. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you read the these five pages? Like, I understand what Sam Humphreys was going for there because Bruce versus another hero that carries a gun at all times is an essential disagreement inherent to both of their characters. Yes. I understand that. Again, and I feel like this is something we've said a couple times today already – did we need five pages of it? I mean, they just go back and forth. And and frankly, I don't think... I, I think it was obvious that Simon's argument was never going to be compelling to Bruce. It wasn't even very compelling to me. <laughs> right. Um, I think they should have just made, you know, a page of it and then dropped it. Um, that was a little much. I think the I like the concept for this issue. 
I like what brings them to Gotham and kind of how it all ends, but but man, just way too much useless banter and and arguments, circular arguments that go nowhere. Well, that's usually how these things go. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I literally said out loud as I was reading it. Does nobody remember that Scarecrow was part of the Sinestro Corps in Blackest Night? Well, there you and that paid off pretty beautifully. It did. Um. Well, yeah, glasses he... up the bridge of the nose. <laughs> we don't actually know how Blackest Night occurred anymore, Brian, because that was pre-New 52, and we've only seen glimpses of how it occurred in the New 52. So there you go. You you should just call the pushing the, the, the glass up the nose the anti-Chuck Schumer, because Chuck Schumer's glasses are always like falling off his nose. They're so far down. <laughs> Anti-Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Is that going to be a new thing? Yeah. That's because whenever Chuck Schumer is shown in a photo or a picture or on TV, he's got a crossword puzzle just off the screen. <laughs> that he's trying to do whatever hearing he's at. Yeah. But no, that's the politics that, talk. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I got to the end of the issue and I was like, "This feels like." A story that like maybe would have happened right after black like it's like a lost story that should have happened right after blackest night you know okay time out right now right now boys we're playing this game we're gonna go in a circle here name the representative of each lantern core from the team that was made up on blackest night zach okay. um so you just, you, just, was... you just name one. You just name one. Let me go around. Oh, Thanks. just one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Flash was blue. Zach. Hey, Vince. Wonder Woman was Star Sapphire. Okay. I'll go the obvious one. Scarecrow was uh, Sinestro Corps. Uh, the Atom was Indigo. <sighs> Let's see. We've got yellow. No. I said yellow. You said yellow. Uh, we've got orange and we've got red yet. Yeah. Yes. Is that, is that all we've got left? Yeah. Orange. God, I feel like I should know orange. Red. Red. Was red just guy? No. No? no? Okay, I don't remember. Uh, orange was Lex Luthor. And ah. red was Mera. Shit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then green was uh, Ganthet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, those were good times. Those I gotta, were good re- times. I gotta revisit that. Me too. Me maybe, too. Maybe we. I know we keep saying this, but maybe in the future we'll uh, we'll do a retrospective. Yeah. That was on a big timing. Uh, yeah, on everything. <laughs> the, the, the secret history of the entire DCU. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back back to Green Lanterns. Back to Green Lanterns. I I thought the bad Batman video was kind of a funny concept, like <laughs> yeah. these, like cheesy YouTube videos people are making of the ways that Batman fucks up. Yeah. Until it, until of, it became the ring, you mean? Yeah, it reminded me of Angry Dad from. Um, <laughs> is that from The Simpsons? Uh, or or is, it, or is it Bad Dad or what? Yeah, it's. Um, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, David after dentist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know that. Once again, I think I kind of like the concepts in this issue, but it's just it's just not as tightly written 
as I would like. Yeah. I think. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Anything else? Nah. All right, it's it's Harley Quinn time. Yeah, I heard this is a big issue. I don't know if it is. I saw I saw the Bleeding Cool article and took that as um bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like I Rich has done this in the past where he'll like pick up some coincidental detail in a comic and say oh that must be a key into the greater narrative of the universe right now and so we've got the three jokers uh concept that came out of the dc universe rebirth right Mm -hmm. apparently there's three jokers running around and and on bleeding cool they thought that this was one of the three I don't necessarily think that that's the case. So you find out in this comic that that the Joker that Harley tied up and 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 threw into the middle of the street in Brooklyn and had run over by cars and um like torture like she tortures him herself. You find out that it's an imposter that used to be a patient of hers when she was a a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. right? And that he went through extensive procedures and planning and practicing, including having contact with the Joker himself to basically become the Joker to curry uh, Harley Quinn's favor. Okay. I don't think we're really meant to think that this is one of the three Jokers. Like from your description, I would say absolutely not. Yeah, why? That would not be something that they would set up in DC Universe Rebirth and then have as a throwaway character that Harley Quinn kills at the end of this issue. By the way, um, shoots him in the in the head quite brutally. Um, that's not one of the three Jokers. Like, there's no way. That would be such a stupid way to resolve one of the. You know, it's like that entire plot point from that initial issue of rebirth would have been a red herring because one of them was already dead and he was nobody at all, you know? So I think rich is like way off the mark here. Um, just trying to be too clever by half, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, Oh, I should also point out that the way that she figures out that he's an imposter is everything about him is, is perfectly detailed except for his penis, I guess. (laughs) So, in case you thought that they were going to take the high road this time around. Wait, that's real? It's implied. He, he, she doesn't come that's out. That's not the Joker's dong. Yeah, she doesn't come out and say, uh, you know, Joker's got a hood and you don't on your on your penile. Oh, okay. uh, you know, but but she says something like, you know, when we dragged you to my lair, we changed you. We took off your clothes, you know, and that's when I noticed you know, we, you know, the Joker and I dated for a long time, right? <laughs> like, that's what she says. So, and, and she also implies that, like, you went through all this detail and all this trouble, but you couldn't, you weren't man enough to change one thing or something like that, you know? They, they imply several times over that it's his penis. So, um, yeah. In right. a comic, in a comic full of poop and penis jokes, it's, it's <laughs> par for the course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't think I think anybody that thinks that this is one of the three jokers, I I really don't think so. 
Um, Fair enough. But 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 that's it. That's all for 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 this week in Harley Quinn. Uh, moving on, Justice League number fourteen, written and illustrated by Brian Hitch. Um, so he he got a little time to work on this, given that his book got shanghaied for a couple uh, weeks there. Um, this was an interesting one because Brian, you've you've often used the beer fest comparison. I was gonna bring it up again. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned it in an hour overview this morning too. <laughs> nice. So, so, so you've used that reference to like how we're all supposed to just in our minds replace the old super, the Flashpoint or um, New Fifty Two Superman with the pre-Flashpoint one. Yeah. But quite literally, Superman says like, "Please, just think of <laughs> just me think of as this. the old one." Exactly. <laughs> like, please forget that there was ever a you know. <laughs> So, um, guys, what was the fucking point of this issue? This is maybe my least favorite issue of the week. What was the point of this issue? I mean, I like Brian Hitch's art. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I'd rather him not draw shit in a bunker the whole time, though. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, like, gosh, this was just, uh, it just took, it, it was so long and just, like, so... Every single person had to be like, well, here's why I suck. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't suck. I suck. No. And like, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is the worst kind of space filling comic. Yeah. It didn't do, it didn't do anything for the team. It didn't do anything for the reader. It just wasted our fucking time. <laughs> Yeah, it very it you know it 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 tried to accomplish something that I really find unnecessary in corporate comics, which is establishing like it establishes yes, Batman still has the Tower of Babel situation from the Mark Wade run where he has uh you know uh doomsday scenarios for every hero if they go bad against him you know which if um, i recall was like also a plot point leading into trinity war 2 it was yeah and didn't he pull out the kryptonite ring last month in justice league versus suicide squad i suppose he did yeah yeah, he did <laughs> so this is totally unnecessary yeah yeah i mean really this is a, a total filler establishing you know it's just establishing them further as a team which i don't think we really needed DC Rebirth has done a really good job of reclaiming them as a team. You know, we don't need another issue to explain that 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 you know they're they're going to be uh, a, they're going to have tighter bonds. You know, um, it was just weird. Yeah, was, just people. Weird. It was they were sitting around talking for sixteen pages. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know about this book anymore, you guys. It 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 needs a shake up. I think Brian Hitch is already out of ideas, to be honest. Every every scenario seems to be the exact same scenario. Yeah, the, there's uh, some like world eating machine, or like yeah, that is that is like literally every one of the issues that he draws, at least, and even like really no, I mean it is like it's all like authority redux, you know? Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Only much much less interesting. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I think we were all pretty positive about this book when this all started. Are we all kind of at the we all must be near pulpit for this, right? I, I, I was never fully on board with this. I liked the first couple of issues more than I thought I would, mm-hmm. but I'm so sick of the Justice League just meaning the big seven. Yeah. I'm really tired of that concept. And Hitch well, is not the guy I want to write this book. Yeah. I got I got news for you about next week, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Baby. This really is, like, maybe the most boring Justice League team. Yeah. Maybe, it doesn't like, even have only, Shazam. Only less so... Yeah, yeah. I guess, Yeah, that was, like, one of the saving graces of... Well, I guess Shazam wasn't always in the New 52 Justice League. Like, the New 52 Justice League that we had at, you know, the start is one of my least favorite Justice Leagues yep. of all time. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's like it's like the Morrison Big 7, only, like... People, I feel like people, when they reference that, like seem to forget that it only stayed that way for like five issues. And that yeah. big seven had Wally and Kyle in it. Yeah, that's true. Which which made the dynamic very different. Yeah, and it had Arthur with his hook hand. So that is true. We'll never get back to that. <laughs> I don't know. Jeff Jones has tried several times, and it hasn't. Yeah. In brightest day, he lost his hand again. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Are we done with this? We're done with this. All right. Midnighter and Apollo, number five. Steve Orlando on writing. Uh, Art, Fernando Blanco. This is real good. Yes, it's, it is. It's real good. I mean, this is this is a fist fight heavy issue. Um, it's kind of... Orlando has really written this as like a ticking time bomb. Where like this this really feels like it could be the end of Midnighter and Apollo, and they are like so close to reaching one another that the tension is just palpable at this point. And that's really the the biggest appeal that this book holds is just just how much he ratchets up the tension every issue. Um, I agree. And Fernando Blanco is doing the work of his career. Mm-hmm. Not much. Man, you not, gotta wonder. Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Vince. No, you. I was, go just, ahead. I was just gonna say, not much else to say about it because it's been the same brand of great that that it always has been. Um, yeah. And and the, we're just kind of racing towards that conclusion now. So, um, so Zach, I, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna say, I you gotta wonder, like, I I wonder if this is you know kind of writing them out for a bit for the purposes of Wildstorm, maybe? Like, I don't know what their place is that in that is going to be. I mean, the one thing that the uh, we didn't touch on that the Warren Ellis interview said is that this is an, a story taking place on an alternate Earth. Mm-hmm. This is not these characters. Right, right, so it's not to say they couldn't coexist, but... You know, but like, maybe just to give them some space? Yeah. That's fair. Because, like, I mean, they're really kind of... As far as I know, they're like the only Wildstorm holdouts in DC right now. Uh, isn't um, Tracy Thirteen still in? Uh... Is Tracy Thirteen Wildstorm? Wasn't she originally part of Wildstorm? I thought she was DC. No, yeah. she was DC. Wasn't she a Superman character? 
Yeah. I okay. I'm getting confused then. My bad. You're thinking of um... Gen thirteen. Yes, yes, I am. Yes, yeah. yes, I am. There we go. Okay. My B. Because like we haven't seen Grifter since like uh, uh, Future Sin. Then same with Voodoo. Um, they were really like the only big ones, right? None of I mean none of those Stormwatch characters have been seen in ages. So. Yeah, and oh, I'm excited for the West. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, me too. All right, uh, moving on. Nightwing, number 14, written by Tim Seeley, art by Marcus Toe again. Um, I mean, this is, again, the, the same brand of good that the uh, the Bloodhaven stuff has been up to this point. Um, the most interesting thing about it was the final page to me, but if you guys have anything else you want to say about the comic. Um, I'm glad that it looks like he's staying in Bloodhaven. Yes. Um, I think overall maybe this arc is, I didn't enjoy it quite as much as the, the previous issues. Um, maybe, I don't know. I'll say I certainly didn't enjoy it as much as the previous arcs. I still enjoyed it. I just think it was... Uh, I enjoyed it a little bit less. I, I guess I just get... Um, I sometimes get a little tired of the Bat Book's obsession with um, cops and good cops and bad cops and dirty cops and all that. I feel that just happens all the time in the Bat Books. So that part of it kind of left me a little bit cold, but... yeah. I, I did. I, it, it's still a very good comic, oh, and yeah. uh, I'm glad to see what Bloodhaven holds in the future. I just, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit less uh, sort of establishing stuff. Marcus Toe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm he, glad he's around. I hope. I hope he's, yeah. Didn't they just announce one of the Nightwing artists? Not Toe. Is it Javi Fernandez going DC exclusive? Did he? I believe he did. Let me look that up. I can tell you right now, I have an email here for it. Yeah, Javier Fernandez and Jorge Jimenez. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Awesome. I love it. Two hours ago. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> Next Wednesday, they heard it here first, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so how about that last page? Winter Soldier comes back, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> They they always said you know you you'll never bring him back but they did they, they did it. <laughs> I just hope Ed Brubaker got the nod. I I didn't read the credits but. Uh... <laughs> so anyway, they, 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 there's some guy with long Winter Soldier, Bucky waking up out of a coma hair. Uh, wearing the new fifty two. Wearing the new fifty two Nightwing outfit. Yeah. That's... Which it wasn't. So, like, wasn't there a point in the pre-New 52 Nightwing that um, I think Jason Todd dressed up as Nightwing and paraded around Bloodhaven? Did he? I, I feel like that happened. That sounds possible. Let's see. Research, research, research. We need an intern, guys. I know, man. 
I can't. We could probably get one of the new guys to do that, right? Sure. Yeah. The fact check us as we go along. Yeah. Man, you guys talk. I'm gonna look. All right. Vince, are you happy to have him in Bloodhaven for the time being, or do you think that he needs to be back in Gotham? I like having him in Bloodhaven, but I I wish there was some sort of more consistent tether to the rest of the Bat family. Um, well, have we ever established how far Bloodhaven is? <laughs> are you just <laughs> asking questions that make one of us have to look them up? No, no, no. no. I, but what I mean is just that I, I always had the impression they were almost like sister cities, so it's not like he needs a huge excuse to go back to Gotham. It's kind of like you going from St. Paul to Minneapolis. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, I, but, you know, even if it's just a phone call once in a while, which which does happen, but... I mean, we um, saw Barbara call him last week. Yeah, in Batgirl, yeah. Yeah. And then he clearly got the invitation to Batman Burger, or Bat Burger, whatever the fuck it's called, Bat for Burger. Bat Burger for Batman this week. Bat Burger. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Jason Todd, uh, resurfaces falling one year later, patrolling the streets of New York City as a murderous version of Nightwing. Oh, okay. Off about, I thought it was in Bloodhaven, but it did happen. There you go. But this is obviously not Jason Todd. I don't know who this is. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. That's it's such a Tim Seeley thing to like tease fans with something that they've probably uh, emailed and and tweeted him with hate for. You know, like the number of times people have been like, "I hated that red suit. Thank you for bringing back the blue suit." You know, wasn't it, that mentioned in the rebirth like WonderCon panel? I'm sure it was. That, yeah. like, Jeff Johns wanted the blue back, but the deal, like, the red? Yeah. 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 But... But you're but right. The, yeah, that is a very silly thing to it's do. It's a very silly thing to, like, tease them with something that he knows everybody hates. Um, I love it. So we'll see. It's very intriguing. Yeah. Um, anything else on Nightwing? All right, Shade the Changing Girl, number five, written by Cecil Castellucci, art by Marley Zarconi. And there were some there were some ink uh inked pages by Ryan Kelly, which is that Ryan Kelly of um uh, he had a book with Paul Cornell, um Saucer Country. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I always liked his art too. It's weird to see him just doing if this is indeed the same guy, it's weird to see him doing just just inks. I'd love to see him on a DC book because I always liked his art. I find what happens sometimes in those situations are like he might be a studio mate of Zarconi's. Sure. And, you know, and she was late on something and so he pitched in. Like stuff like that happens relatively frequently. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just was glad to see his name again. Um, this was a very David Bowie issue. <laughs> Absolutely. There's an astronaut with a skeleton inside of the suit, and uh, and that one character already looks like Bowie, kind of. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very trippy, very, 
I, I really like this book, you guys. This book is really good. <laughs> I find that this is a book that completely suffers if you try to read it in a rush. You have to really sit down and really savor it and enjoy it, which is which is not a knock on the book at all. It just means that there's so much going on there. It's so... And it's not that it's super dense. It's just that it really rewards a nice, like, leisurely read. Are you saying that you were rushed this week? <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't rushed. In, in weeks past, I've been rushed to read it. Yeah. And I felt it hasn't held up as well as when it when it's one of the first books I read. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this issue. Like, they, So they went on a zoo trip, and... Uh, I loved some of the parallels that were drawn in the art between the zoo animals and um, and like the group the group of classmates and the uh, people on that weird in that weird like planet or other I I don't know what the name of that thing is <laughs> what is the name of that place where like the madness coat came from. Isn't that the pla- her planet? Isn't that um, meta. meta? Yeah, meta. Yeah, I can. For some reason, I can never keep meta in my head. Um, yeah, like I, there were some very distinct artistic parallels drawn between those um, two worlds through the zoo animals, and it was really, um, really subtle but really rewarding if you if you picked up on them. Um, just a really cool book, and the backup was great too. Yes. Life with Honey by uh, I I think Cecil Castellucci wrote it as well, but China Clunston Hughes did the art, and uh, that was a fun like 1950s housewife throwback story, um, specifically about the wives of nuclear scientists. Yeah, which was very interesting. Um, I'm really loving the backups in all the young animal books. Yeah. I'm loving everything about Young Animal. I am a young animal. I'm going to say it right now. We're all young animals. <laughs> she was a young animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty freaky, Brian. Do you remember <laughs> President Nixon? All right, let's move on. Or even yesterday. Um... Yeah, uh, great book, great book. Anything else? Nah. All right. St- uh, do we want to talk about superpowers? It's great. It was it's real great. good. Really real, good. Real good. Starro showed up. We've been getting a lot of Starro. Yeah, we've, we've, been, we've been getting Starroed left and right. <laughs> Starro up the yin-yang. <laughs> um. Super Superboy Prime becomes Superman Prime. Um, Legion of Doom faces. I wish off. there was a Super Bar Mitzvah for that. Ooh. All right, last book, best book, maybe. Oh no, contest. Well, I did. Yeah, actually, I mean, Shade's really good, but if we're just talking Rebirth, yeah, Superman number sixteen, written by Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Art by Tony Daniel and Clay Mann this time around. Um, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you guys. Like, this, is, this is a like full-on multiversity sequel. Yeah. It is. It is. 
when they dropped the Nixiotan uh, reference, yep. I was like flipping out because I, I'd be willing to bet <laughs> I'd be willing to bet most people who picked this issue up don't even know who that is. Yeah, this arc was like a what the fuck for a lot of <laughs> readers of this book. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know if you hadn't read the Multiversity or Final Crisis how this would read. Oh, it's just yeah, like I would be, I would be very interested in knowing like what just the the comic book layman picking this up, you know, new to DC through Rebirth through Rebirth thinks of an issue like this. Of an arc like this. Who would have thought that, that Gleason and Tomasi had it in them to. <laughs> I mean, I think we all loved their prior stuff together, but it was always very. I don't want to say. Workmanly, maybe? Is that. Like, it, it always did a really great job, but it never pushed things into. Meta territory. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah I like, guess I see what you're... Yeah, yeah. Like, this is Grant Morrison meta all the way. Whereas, I feel like Tomasi and Gleason's usual approach is pure iconography, you know? But they're very much, like, of the school of, like, Johns and and that kind of, like, superhero writer, you know? Yeah. yeah Which I mean, is great. Tomasi but, was an really editor good. on Starman, so he's always has a special place yeah, in my heart. Robinson, Robinson but, like, is, like, very much a part of that, too. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah, I agree. So in some ways, this is like the perfect bridge to when he was editing Morrison's books. Because um, he was he was one of Morrison's editors at a, at a time point in time, right? I believe so. Yeah, so he was editing Morrison. So this is like a bridge from that, like... Uh, if if he's of the same school as J- James Robinson and Jeff Johns, his admiration for the history of these characters always shines through in that kind of iconographic way. And that is this, this uh, arc was a nice bridge between that and the meta textual nature of Grant Morrison's superhero writing. Yes, um, and it, it makes perfect sense that they can live in that world because they've been exposed to both types of of writer, and and they're great writers of, in their own right. You know, I have to give a shout out to uh, Comics Alliance's Chris Sims here for a second because he wrote something the other week. I believe it was in one of his Ask Chris columns about how just how no one's talking about how much Superman is doing. And I wanted to say, like, well, the DC3 is, but, you know, it's a whole other story. But, like, <laughs> when you think about all the stuff that's happened under in the Superman title so far, like, take out the, like, the, the family building stuff, right, between Clark, Lois, and John. Like, they've gone to Dinosaur Island from Final, from um, uh, New Frontier. Uh, yeah, yeah. They have, you know, Frankenstein was there for a bit. Now they've gone full bore into the multiversity. I mean, there's really they've done a they've covered like more Superman ground than I think any Superman book in the New Fifty Two did over the entire run. 
There was that annual where um, Swamp Thing showed up. Like, there's really been a whole huge breadth of stuff taken care of. Yeah. It's a great book. It is. Um, quick question. On So if you guys have it up on Comixology, this last page on number 15... I don't. I, I have. Uh, or, I'll look at it though. Okay. okay. If you well, if you've got it open, it's it's the splash page. Um, or it's the panel. It's like after they've all when they're all breaking out of their cells, and they're all like start like lighting up and glowing. Is one of those Supermen supposed to be the Sentry? Uh... The one underneath the demon. I don't know. He's got that, like, lightning bolt costume. I'm looking now. But I guess that was on his, like, belt thing. I don't know. He's, like, the the color scheme of the costume and just, like, that lightning bolt thing, I thought it might have been a, uh, a sentry homage. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm not sure. That yeah. is interesting, yeah. Because I figured, like, maybe that has to be, like, the, the super... I don't know if we've seen the, like, Superman of, like, the two Marvel worlds, but I thought maybe that might have been... Oh, that's interesting, yeah. One of them. I just love picking out the little super... Like, which Superman are, you know, are which. It's so fun. <laughs> I yeah. like the... I love the Martian Manhunter Superman in this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad that Captain Carrot's back to being his yeah, fully powered <laughs> self. And the Red Racer gets, you know, a classic Flash moment. Yep. Yeah. Although I don't know what that means. Like, I mean, I guess we could still get it, but I thought that the uh, one of the Multiversity Two books was going to um, be about him. He could just be in the Speed Force. He could just be in the Speed Force. What if this is leading into that? Oh, I'm. Sh- yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if that's even still on the on the docket. I or hope if so. Grant Morrison is too busy writing Santa Claus origin stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we did it. We did it. We did it. Only two hours. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Not um, as easy as it looks, is it, armchair host, huh? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, this, this, yes, Brian. I'm just kidding. Brian, I got to thank you. This is a tough job. No, it's not. So I'm going to give you a little salute here. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like all this show is missing is a early 2000s Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard. <laughs> Not a tumor. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Who is your daddy? And what does he do? <laughs> exactly. What was I doing on Mars? McBain, <laughs> have a salmon puff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, nice to see you. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, if if anybody wants to get in contact with us, uh. We're all on Twitter. I'm at Brian Needs a Nap. I'm at VJ underscore OST 
I can't tell you last name. O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. There we go. Wait a minute. I'm confused. Who am I? You're at D-R-I-L. I'm at D-R-I-L. <laughs> and at, at, and uh, and Drill is at SirFox89. <laughs> That's right. I'm at Bleeding Cool. There you go. Zach is pleased to announce that he will shatter all barriers in 2017 by becoming the first adult Gerber baby. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh,